everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the BizCast. I'm Shannon King. Last week, I talked to Kevin Grigg, president and CEO of Fuss and O'Neill, with locations in Manchester and Trumbull, as well as many others across New England and in California. Kevin is also a board member of CBIA and an appointed member of the Governor's Climate Change Council. Fuss and O'Neill was recently recognized as one of the best places to work in the nation. I had a great conversation with Kevin about the importance of diversity in the workplace and why it leads to higher profits, more customers and clients, and a better chance to attract and retain a talented workforce. This ended up being a really deep conversation, uh, not just about diversity, but also change and culture in business and in our communities. If you like this conversation as much as I did, please share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And here is my conversation with Kevin. I wanted to ask you about your recent award, one of the best places to work. First of all, congratulations. And uh, why why are you one of the best places to work? This award is based on two things, internal employee survey results and external company surveys. So our employees and our clients weigh in. I think that while our compensation and our benefits, for example, are, are good, certainly comparable to our competitors, and in some cases better. I think what really drove the results for our employees is that we have consciously given them more of a voice over the past several years, and they've seen us listen to what they've told us, things that we need to do to increase engagement, for example, and we have followed through on a lot of that stuff. So, for example, we had uh, a committee called Gender Equity and Leadership Committee, which has since been transformed into a more of a diversity-focused committee to address some of the racial pandemic issues. But when it was the Gender Equity and Leadership Committee, we had a number of part-time employees approach us, most of whom were women, saying that they really would appreciate it if we would kind of bulk up our part-time benefits and make them equivalent to benefits offered to full-time employees, which was at, you know, considerable cost to the company. But we said, you know, these are some of our best and brightest and things have changed. And more and more of our employees, we expect we'll be working on a part-time basis in the future. And so we said, let's do this. Got the board involved and ultimately approved a number of benefits that not, don't just expand and, and improve benefits for part-time employees, but also provide sort of transitional return-to-work benefits for people that maybe want to come back full-time or people that, have, that need to leave to take care of, you know, an, an ailing family member or maybe are planning a sabbatical for a year but want to come back, that sort of thing. So this is just one of a number of examples of things that we've done to listen to the employees. And I think when you do enough of that over time, they sit back and they say, hey, these folks are actually listening to me. And I think it's those kinds of employee-driven engagement initiatives that probably won the day for us with the employees. I think with regard to clients, 80% of our business is sole source, meaning we don't have to compete for it. And that's a blessing and a curse. But the blessing part of it is that we've been in business for so long. We've been in business for almost 100 years. People know us. They know that we 
consider our relationships with our clients to be absolutely crucial. It's not just lip service to us. And so while we're not the cheapest consultants in town, I think that our clients know that if you come to us, the job will get done and it will get done well. It'll be a high quality project or product. And that reputation that we have for delivering for our clients and maybe not being as willing to compromise on quality as some other firms may be, I think is probably what drove the high scores that we got from our clients. So those two things are really what drove the receipt of the award. Yeah, that's so that's really interesting. Question, have you noticed a return based upon employee changes or employee-driven changes, I should say? Have you noticed any any difference in output or performance? Well, when I came to work for FNO, which was the end of calendar, towards the end of calendar 2012, the company was struggling a bit financially. And by the time I became CEO, which was two years ago, I came to the company as a chief operating officer. By the time I became CEO, which was two years ago, we were consistently quadrupling the profitability the company was achieving when I joined. And I think that there were two reasons for that. Number one is I brought a bunch of sort of best practices to the firm. Um, and of course, people had to be willing to do that stuff in order for it to work. But the other was it was attitudinal, it was behavioral. It was changing the company from being, it used to be run a little bit more along the lines of a traditional partnership where you have these silos that are each driven by partners and it's not very collaborative mm-hmm. and, you know, it's not a good growth model. And so we, we tried as best we could to break a lot of that down, which was a challenge, of course, and get people to think more like and function more like a team and not so much worry about the profit and loss of their specific organization, but get them to think more about what they can do to contribute to the whole. And I think that that, those attitudes, of course, change slowly, but they have changed. We've diversified ownership of the company. We had no women on our board of director. We now, board of directors, we now do. We had no female owners of the firm. We now have six. And so a lot of things about our culture have changed, but the point is, the cultural changes have been driven towards a more collaborative behavioral uh, model. And I think that together with best practices, it's really driven the firm to new heights in terms of profitability and cash flow and employee engagement and so forth. And so, yeah, I think we have seen a return. It's hard to determine how much of that improved profitability, for example, was specifically related to behaviors, but you know as well as I do, behaviors are everything. You know, it's if people do the right things at the right time, a company is transformed and not just its performance, but its culture is transformed. And so I think a lot of it, I can't quantify it for you, but I think a lot of the improved performance of the firm over the past seven years has been behaviorally and attitudinally driven. 
I also wanted to ask about your, you were just mentioning this before, but your commitment to diversity. So not just gender, um, because you're talking about more representation of women on the board and as owners of uh, the company, but also racial and absolutely uh, sexual orientation and gender orientation Mm -hmm. can absolutely be included. So can you talk a little bit about that and why that commitment is so important to not only your business, but all businesses? I'm old enough to know that while people see things a little differently because of, and I'm I'm overgeneralizing here, but because of gender or because of race or because of ethnicity or because of sexual preference, that what they want for themselves and what they want for their children and what they want out of life is generally very consistent. You know, they want to live a comfortable life financially. They want their children to have educational opportunities. They want to feel safe. They want to feel secure. They want to be respected. What binds us is much greater and much stronger than what can divide us. But because of the, uh, there are some differences, Bringing all those differences together at the decision-making table is an enormous risk management benefit because as, as bright as I may think I am, I am not anywhere near as smart as a dozen other people from my company that you bring together who have different viewpoints from my own. So I not only learn as a leader, I not only learn from different viewpoints if I keep my mind open, but I mitigate risk to the firm that I'm running because somebody's going to see something that I don't see. The more you can reach out and kind of put your corporate arms around all these different viewpoints, you just have this incredible repository of ideas, many of which improve product quality, reduce risk, and make it a more welcoming place to work so that you can attract and retain the best and brightest people. Absolutely. I agree with all of that. Um, I mean, what what advice would you give to companies that are trying to be more diverse, particularly among employees, um, to get them more engaged? It, is it as simple as just asking a bunch of different people with different backgrounds and differences to get in a room and start working together? Is it as simple as that? No, um, but that's that's I would say it's necessary, but not sufficient. Uh, leadership has to be 100% behind this. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my uh, weekly state of the firm address, is one of my standing agenda items is what is a company doing about social justice? And you know something? Everybody gets tired of hearing me talk about it, even our minority employees, because they feel exposed, right? They get tired of me talking about it. But they also all understand this is not going to be comfortable. and as long as we're changing, whether it's with regard to diversity or other business practices, it's not going to be comfortable. Change is not comfortable. So you have to have leadership that is totally behind this, understands the discomfort it's going to create to their organization and is willing to move on, move through that change, um, and be undeterred by the, by, the, by the resistance to that change. But you do need cells within the company that maybe it could just be one cell um, that represent the interest of underrepresented employees, but are also interacting with 
the majority. So you can't be perceived as cooking up all this stuff in a smoke-filled room because that makes the majority very nervous. So it has to be an open and transparent process. And that in turn has to be consistent with an overall open and transparent culture of the company. So one reason that we've been trying to open things up, we call it open book management. The reason we've been trying to open book things up in this company and break down the, the silos, the partnership silos, is to prepare for the day when we need to deal with more controversial issues in an open and transparent manner. Because the more open and the more transparent you can make your, your dealing with those kinds of controversial issues, the less unproductive pushback you're going to get because people push back first against what they think is being kind of done in secret. Mm -hmm. And then they push back against the substance of what you're actually talking about. So if you can knock the first one out right away, you can get to the substance and, and, and be a lot more efficient in how you deal with these issues. So you need leadership is totally committed. You need groups of employees who are willing to be open and transparent with what they would like to see happen within the company. Um, and you need a social environment that reinforces the necessity of what you're trying to do. And right now, Shannon, it is really hard to look around this country and not say, we need to change. You know, latest issue of Time Magazine, I think the subtitle is America Needs to Change. And that's not bad. It's good. America is about change. It has always been about change. And our businesses need to be about change. That's how we stayed ahead of the curve. And we need to stop viewing gee, we need to change as, gee, we're a bunch of really bad people. We're people. We make mistakes. And man, we've made some pretty grievous ones in the past. There's no question about it. But we are also human beings and we are Americans and we are committed to positive change. And we just need to learn to work together to keep that, that change moving. And, and the, more resist, the more we resist it, the more inefficiency we deal with, the more we lag behind the competition, the more social friction we end up having to experience. We just need to realize, like I said before, we have a hell of a lot more in common with one another than we have differences, absolutely. at least on these essential issues. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with all of that. Well, Kevin, uh, those were all the questions I had. So thank you so much for talking with me for a bit this morning. This was a great conversation. I love this um this commitment to diversity and why workplace culture is just so important and it's so imperative and change changes very hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I oh, know God. that um, as a, you know, as a, you know, one of the younger people um, trying to make change, mm -hmm. it's tough and the world is changing, but um, mm -hmm. no, it seems like you're really optimistic and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic as well. It's hard. The last time these kinds of issues were being substantively talked about, I underline substantively, was in the late 60s and early 70s, and they were being discussed primarily by college students and professors. I know. I know. I keep today, hearing that a lot comparison. Of those college students, oh, yeah. Today, a lot of those college students are now, are now, some of them or many of them are white people, and they're in positions of great influence, mm -hmm. and they see the need. And I think, in fact, I was talking to one of our African-American employees about this just this week, and she said one of the greatest sources of hope she thinks in the black community is just that, that finally we've got some white people who are socially committed to change, positive mm -hmm. change. 
And to the extent that we're right, we'll see it. For the latest COVID-19 information, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.